Then Jesus also told them this parable to some who were trusting in themselves as righteous and regarding others with contempt. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a tax collector, the other a Pharisee. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I give a tenth of all my income. I fast twice a week. The tax collector, standing far off, couldn't even raise his eyes toward heaven and prayed, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his home justified rather than the other, because all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. I learned this week that Luke, the Gospel writer, has a thing for tax collectors that I never really noticed before. Smarter people than me say that Luke, the writer of this morning's gospel and the writer of the book of Acts, was a physician by trade. So I wonder what his deal was with tax collectors. Maybe he was friends with one. Maybe his brother or favorite uncle was a tax collector. Maybe a tax collector helped him salvage his 401k during a recession or something. I don't know, but Luke has a thing for tax collectors, apparently. In Luke's gospel, more than the others, Jesus eats with tax collectors and gets the goat of the self-righteous religious leaders of his day because of it. Luke makes a point of Jesus having called Levi a tax collector to be one of his disciples, and then going to a banquet at Levi's house with a bunch of other tax-collecting so-and-sos. And according to Luke, it's in response to accusations about all of that, eating with tax collectors and sinners, I mean, that Jesus tells some of his most famous stories of God's mercy. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the prodigal son. It's also Luke who tells the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man and chief tax collector, who falls in love with Jesus after having lunch and gives half of his possessions to the poor and makes reparations to anyone he's ever ripped off because of it. So you see, Luke goes out of his way more than any of the other gospel writers to use these infamously, stereotypically sinful tax collectors as foils against the proverbially religiously righteous and faithful Pharisees. Luke loves to paint tax collectors as the unlikely recipients of God's mercy and blessing, as the archetype of the surprisingly lovable, redeemable, reprobate as the forgivable, forgiven sinners upon which every story of grace could turn. Tax collectors for Luke are the unexpected examples of obedience and righteousness, goodness and gratitude. And today's parable from Jesus shows us all of those things. 
Remember, the prelude to what we heard in that parable, as the Bible tells us, is that Jesus was speaking to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarding others with contempt. It means he was speaking to people very much like the Pharisee in the parable. People who were pretty confident they were on the straight and narrow and who took it upon themselves to judge others and to point fingers at those they believed not to be. So he tells them that story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it matters that Pharisees and tax collectors existed on opposite sides of the social spectrum in Jesus' day. Pharisees were religious, righteous, and they were right about most things when it came to issues of faith and theology, at least as far as most people were concerned. Pharisees followed the rules, they made all the right sacrifices, they read their scripture, they showed up for worship, they gave their offering, and everybody knew it. Tax collectors, on the other hand, were not the most well-liked people in town. And Jewish tax collectors, to other Jews like the ones listening to Jesus, were seen as puppets of the occupying Roman authority, who often, the tax collectors, took advantage of their power to swindle their fellow Jews out of money, some of which they paid to the Romans to keep in their good company, and some of which they kept to line their own pockets, presumably. So it would have captured anyone's attention, anyone's imagination to see these two, a tax collector and a Pharisee, strolling toward the temple at the same time to pray. The Pharisee, right and righteous as he was, toots his own horn and thanks God for how good it is to be a Pharisee. Thank God I'm not like other people. Thieves, rogues, adulterers, tax collectors. And the tax collector, standing somewhere far off in the distance, prays exactly the opposite unable even to raise his eyes toward heaven, beating his breast with shame and with guilt and with remorse, he begs simply for forgiveness. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I don't think how or what these two prayed would have been much of a surprise to Jesus' listeners. Like I said, everyone knew Pharisees did what they were supposed to do, that they followed the rules, that they towed the line, and everyone knew, too, that tax collectors were sinners. And they were probably thrilled to hear one, at least, who felt the weight and the shame and the guilt of his sins for a change. But what would have surprised any of Jesus' listeners, and what I hope surprises us still, is what Jesus has to say about these two. Jesus promises that the tax collector went home justified, forgiven, redeemed, in spite of his sins, and that all who exalt themselves would be humbled, and all those who humbled themselves will be exalted. What the grace of God does then in this parable, as always, is it levels the playing field on which the Pharisee and the tax collector stand. Not only does it bring down the high and mighty, God's grace, but it lifts up the down and out. It exposes the sinfulness of both men and lets the love of God do the rest. And since you and I don't come across Pharisees and tax collectors in the same way that we might have back in 
the days of Jesus, were invited to fill their shoes with the names and faces that might be a little more familiar, a little more meaningful for how and where we live these days. Like, maybe we need to see a Republican and a Democrat praying on the steps of the temple. Or a Christian and a Muslim praying alongside one another. Or a Lutheran and a Catholic gathered around the communion table. Or the right to lifer and the pro-choice advocate. The Black Lives Matter marcher and the oath keeper. The divorcing couple. The warring siblings. The bickering neighbors. The disagreeable co-workers. If tax collectors for Luke represent the proverbial prolific sinner of all sinners, and if the Pharisee is the proverbially sanctimonious, self-righteous saint of all the saints, we can fill their shoes with any number of stereotypes from our own day and age, from our own life's experience, from the cast of characters with whom we live and move and breathe every day in this world. And we might be able to see ourselves as either one of them if we're honest on any given day when we look in the mirror ourselves so that we can be challenged and changed, of course, by what Jesus has to say. Because I learned another new thing this week. And that gives all of this an entirely different twist. Bear with me. But someone else smarter than me, a guy named Evan Gardner, an Episcopal priest who learned this from a professor and theologian named William Brosend, says that the Greek words that get translated most often in this parable as rather than are more likely to mean alongside. And that changes everything, people. Because if that's the case, Jesus actually says at the end of this parable, after all this drama on the steps of the temple between these two unlikely prayers, these proverbial opposites, that one man went down to his home justified, not rather than the other, but alongside the other. This man went down to his home alongside the other. The tax collector went down to his home justified alongside the Pharisee. Whether figuratively or literally, I'm not sure they left holding hands and skipping down the street, but that Pharisee and that tax collector left the temple together as far as God's grace and mercy were concerned. Each of them humbled, each exalted, each forgiven, each loved, each redeemed, each transformed by the mercy given to them both by the grace they each counted on, prayed for, and trusted would come. And so can we. And so can they, whoever they is or are in your life. And so will we all be 
justified by God's grace, thanks to the power of Jesus' promise in the end that all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen.